And welcome to another episode of the PBL Podcast, also known as Politics and Brown Liquor. And you can find us on all of our social media platforms using the handle the PBL Podcast. Our website also, pb, thepblpodcast.com. And of course, you can email us at thepblpodcast at gmail.com. And last and certainly not least, please support the podcast by helping us with some funding. And for that funding, you get back office, as I like to call it, back office material where you get bloopers, you get stuff other people don't see, you get videos of all the show on Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash the PBL podcast. You, you can do a monthly subscription as little as a dollar, three dollars, five dollars, seven dollars, ten dollars. And of course, the big kahuna. $10,000 where we love you a long time. All right. In today's show, we've got quite a bit. We're going to give you an update on TikTok, continue the Bad Mayor series, and polling is starting to trickle in as we get closer and closer to the election, which makes this get much, much more exciting. But let's start with TikTok. Also on TikTok, you can find us at the PBL podcast. Yes, yes, I am on TikTok, as I mentioned often, and I use TikTok quite a bit. In fact, I put a TikTok video out this morning that did very, very well in viewership. I like TikTok. I have a lot of fun with TikTok, as I mentioned before. It's just a fun platform, and there are a lot, a lot of conservatives on TikTok. But there's also a concern of TikTok, of the Chinese stealing our data or monitoring uh, our activities. So I think there's more of it. So Trump had came out last week and said that he's going to ban TikTok. Well, here's an update. He, Microsoft is in the works of negotiating a purchase for TikTok. Now, I don't know the amount. You know, TikTok is valued anywhere between 50 and $80 billion. It was bought from its original company uh, by ByteDance in 2015 for like $1 billion. Now, obviously, Microsoft is going to pay a whole heck of a lot of money, more money than that. So Trump is giving them 45 days, September 15th as the date that either TikTok is sold to an American company, a great American company, as he put it, or he's banning TikTok. Now, he also said some things. I got to be honest with you. I don't like. I am totally, totally against what President Trump is doing with TikTok. A couple of things. First of all, I said 2015, they were purchased for a billion dollars. No, ByteDance bought the firm. It's called Musical dot ly for roughly a billion dollars in 2017 and then rebranded and relaunched it under the tiktok name now by dance is a chinese company but here's here's what i don't like what trump's doing i, I am not with him on this i am 100 percent against him on this tiktok is a private company whether you believe it's owned by the chinese or not it is a private entity of some sort right it's a business and for the for us to say we're going to ban it because of security reasons, well, as an American, honestly, I'd like to know what these security reasons are. I'd like a little more detail. Now, I'm, I, I'm not privy to it. I may not, I, you know, I, I may not be one where, and you as well, where we should have that information. We don't know. It may be national security information that we shouldn't be privy to. But that's not the part that really upsets me. The part where Trump basically goes on to say, um, well, let me read this to you. Inexplicably, I'm not going to get that word out anyway. <laughs> Trump also added, more than anything else, I said a very substantial portion of that price is going to have to come into the Treasury of the United States. Now, the price he's talking about 
is how much Microsoft would pay for TikTok or out of the earnings from TikTok themselves. I'm not sure. It doesn't really clarify. But more than anything else, this is Trump's quote, more than anything else, I said a very substantial portion of that price is going to have to come into the treasury of the United States because we're making it possible for this deal to happen. Right now, they don't have any rights unless we give it to them. So if we're going to give them the rights, then it has to come into, it has to come into this country, quote unquote. The article goes on. The commissions he imagines the federal government receiving from the deal seem to be foremost on his mind. So this is a quote, Trump again. So it'll close down on September 15th unless Microsoft or somebody else is able to buy it and work out a deal, an appropriate deal. So the treasury of the, really the treasury, I suppose you would say, of the United States gets a lot of money, a lot of money, Trump concluded. I'm not, I don't like that. I'm not comfortable with that. And last paragraph here, although the administration could arguably require ByteDance to divest TikTok on national security grounds, Trump did not explain what legal basis or mechanism would make his proposal that the United States get a cut of a lot of money or otherwise from the transaction possible. And he also went on to say um, that he has the power to do this, that you know, they make it happen. They can't do it without uh, us, the United States, agreeing. I got to tell you, this, this speaks, the word that comes to mind is extortion. It's basically saying that if an American company doesn't buy this, buy TikTok, they're going to shut it down. And if an American company does buy TikTok, then we should get a, por- a, a large portion of that money into the U.S. Treasury because we have the power to say yes or no. I'm not comfortable with that. I'll be quite honest with everybody. I, 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 and it's not just because I like TikTok. I don't believe the government should be in this business. I don't think the government should be in the business of telling a company, yeah, we can say yes or no. If we say yes, you got to pay us a lot of money. Dare I say it? That sounds like mom tactics. You know, I'm a supporter of this president. I, I want him reelected. I believe he's going to get reelected. I will do everything I can to help him get reelected. But I can't agree with what's going on with TikTok. And I'll, I may not be privy to all the information, but that's just me wishy-washing out of this because I support the president. The, the, and the net, net of this is, it's not a good play on his part. I don't know what he's doing. Maybe there's something I don't see. But again, am I just trying to whitewash a president that I support? Maybe so but I'm not going to agree with him on this one. I think the, um, if the transaction goes forward, then that's between those two companies. And apparently Microsoft was in talks with them prior to all this going down, meaning the government saying they're going to ban TikTok. So, you know, uh, it, it's, it's almost like pulling some strings, picking some winners and losers. But at the net end of the day, uh, if we're going to ban TikTok for security reasons, ban TikTok for security reasons. Now, again, TikTok has come out, the parent company, ByteDance, come out and said that all information g- gathered in America is housed on American servers. But, you know, we all know the Chinese government is not an honest broker in this game. So we all know the Chinese government, if they have access to it, they're going to use it. They're going to exploit it. We don't know to what extent. All we can do is speculate. You know, I speculate that they're just looking for um, societal trends to wedge Americans against each other. 
I suspect they probably are surprised to find so many conservatives on TikTok that it isn't just dance videos because it is a lot more than just dance videos going on in TikTok. So let's wait and see how this one plays out. September 15th is a deadline. You know, maybe this is going to help Microsoft. Very much could help Microsoft get a better deal. I don't know. Was that Trump's angle? I don't know. If you've got some insight on this or you have a, a, a better uh, idea of what's happening, please email me politics and brown liquor at gmail.com or the PBL podcast at gmail.com. I'd like to hear what you have to say on this because this one's perplexing me. I don't, I don't get it. You know, Trump is a free market kind of guy with restrictions. Of course, uh, he's a pro America kind of guy. So I'm, I'm, I'm torn on this. So where he's going with this? Cause I just don't get the whole picture. What I see I don't particularly like. I don't like that we're basically saying, hey, if we if you make a deal, you make a deal because we let you make a deal and uh, we should get some of that money. That's just not, that's mob tactics right there. So let's see how that one plays out. It will be curious to see what happens. All right, sorry about that. You know how those pop up things are everything just pops up i don't like those videos it just start all of a sudden anyway what that does seg me segue right into our next topic which is spacex did you see the module land in the water this is awesome something like that hasn't happened in 45 years where we have not had a splashdown of a space capsule in the water this is like it's historic in in that we're kind of uh witnessing just a, a wonderful ex experiment between private entities and government because this saved us a whole heck of a lot of money using SpaceX versus the government doing it all themselves. Now, here's what the left are doing, by the way. What the left, they're having a conniption because they always do. And they're saying, this is, this is us stepping back. This is us going backwards, not forwards. We haven't had a splashdown in 40 some years. And it's like, we're using 1960s technology. Oh my gosh, can you really believe they said that? I mean, this is a huge achievement. Now, here's what's going on. Is it cost, on average, to send one astronaut to the International Space Station using rocket rockets from Russia, $80 million? Well, on average, it's costing us about $55 million to use Musk's SpaceX program. And it also saved us billions of dollars with doing it through SpaceX, then creating our own rockets and building our own rockets. This way, we use a private entity, a private enterprise, an American enterprise, and we save billions of dollars and achieve the same goals. But no, the left can't have anything to do with that. The left has to, has to vilify anything that Trump does and here we have this wonderful achievement. There are a lot of people I know that are excited about seeing a splashdown. They haven't seen a splashdown in 40 plus years. This is the coolest thing ever. The space shuttle program was incredibly expensive. So SpaceX comes in and say, yeah, we can do it. We'll get you there. Cost you a fraction of it. But here's our process. Does this work? And we agreed. And then here we are. We had a launch that went very, very well. They got the job done, they're back, they're safe, and you know what? Most of the equipment that was used is saved. They've got it down to a science where when these pieces fall off, when the rocket goes up in the sky and it falls off, they get to retrieve it, not like before, it just fell on the ocean floor. So they save money that way. 
they get to reuse these things. This is a wonderful thing. But the left, no, no. The left, they've got to have a conniption about it because orange man bad. And then Elon Musk, oh my gosh, Elon Musk, right after we have the launch, he tweets, aliens, aliens built pyramids, obviously. So uh, here it is, it, it, the, the tweet, uh, early Friday, he tweeted, aliens built the pyramids, OBV for obviously, which was likely, which was likely nearly 540,000 times and re, or was liked, I'm sorry, which was liked nearly 540,000 times and retweeted more than, retweeted more than 85,000 times as of Sunday afternoon. So Musk, we, we send somebody into space and then he tweets, aliens built the pyramids obviously. <laughs> I mean, this guy, I mean, is he just a mad genius or is he just mad? I'm not really sure. Now, the Egyptian government had quite the response is the, um, uh, one of the ministers, and I can't say the name and I won't even try to butcher this name, tweeted back that I follow your work with a lot of admiration. I invite you and SpaceX to explore the writings about how the pyramids were built and also to check out the tombs of the pyramid builders. Uh, Mr. Musk, we are waiting on you. So uh, <laughs> Musk tweeted follow-up messages after his initial tweet. Of course he did. So well, why do we always complain about Trump's tweet? And Musk, you know, Musk does some crazy stuff. So here's a follow-up tweet. Quote, the Great Pyramid was the tallest structure made by humans for 3,800 years. 3,800 years, he spelled out, he tweeted, sharing a Wikipedia link about the Great Pyramids of Gaza. He also shared a BBC article, which he said provides a sensible summary for how it was done. So what was Musk doing? Was he just doing it to, I don't know, get a rise out of people? To maybe get people to troll? Yeah, maybe, I don't know. The man is uh, an interesting fella, none the least, but a huge, huge achievement with SpaceX, working with NASA to not only get our astronauts up in space, but to bring them back down in a splashdown safely. So kudos to you, Mr. Musk. Very, very uh, job well done uh, and very enjoyable watching the left have a meltdown. But watch your back. Watch your six, as they say. All right. Bad mares. You know, I talked about bad mare series uh, a couple of weeks ago, and uh, uh, it just hasn't gotten better for a lot of these cities. We still have just incredible crime rates. Uh, Chicago over the weekend, 33 shot, nine fatally in weekend violence. So 33 people shot in Chicago, nine dead. It's just, and I mean, Mayor Lightfoot, the mayor of Chicago, has to be the worst mayor in Atlanta. You know, I shared with you before that she's basically blaming Trump, not enacting any kind of gun laws. In fact, um, she mentioned a Trump, or she mentioned she did mention in a tweet how Trump is worried about TikTok instead of doing a national uh, gun control program. New York has, I mean, sorry, New York, Chicago has some of the toughest gun laws in the country, in the country. And yet they have this gun violence. She blames the guns in your state, by the way. If you're not living in Illinois, she's blaming your state by shipping in these guns. So she's not blaming any of her policies. She's blaming everybody else. She's blaming Trump. She's blaming the federal government. She's blaming your state. 
again over the weekend, 33 shot, nine dead. Horrible mayor. Second worst mayor in America, and this is debatable which one's worse, but I think he's the second worst one. Mayor de Blasio up in New York. New York City has had more shootings so far this year than in all of 2019. So this is the weekend coming out of the first weekend of August. New York has had more shootings so far this year than in all of 2019. They've had 777 shootings this year. Last year, they had 776 for all of 2019. And some of these are just tragic. There's one here in, in the article that I'm referring to. Uh, we had New Yorkers' hearts were broken when stray bullets ended the life of Teen Bronx hop, hoop star Brandon Hendricks on June 28th and one-year-old Brooklyn boy uh, Deval Gardner shot dead in his stroller on July 13th at a Brooklyn barbecue. One years old. This is just unbelievable. And Mayor de Blasio, this is his third term. He cannot run again. He, he, he's termed out. He's, you know, he's defunding the police a billion dollars, right? He's more interested in writing Black Lives Matters on the street than he is protecting black lives in his city. It's absolutely disgusting in these two cities, Chicago and New York, just how poor the leadership is. But then there's, uh, they did an um, uh, interview with an individual in New York, um, met by police, let's see, the, the 777th shooting uh, of 2020. They talked to the victim. They met the victim at Lincoln Hospital and explained that he was outside 135th Street and Alexander Avenue, just outside the Mitchell House Project in Mott Haven, and had heard the sound of gunfire. Uh, he only, this is, I love this part. I'm sorry, I don't mean to laugh. He only realized he had been shot when he felt the pain of his injury. <laughs> really? You realize you've been shot when you felt the pain? <laughs> I mean, I get it. He probably didn't hear the gunshot, but he, you know, I, what, what's that? What is that? It filled my side. What hurts? Oh my God, I've been shot. I mean, it's just, I'm sorry. I don't mean to make light of it, but that sentence just cracked me up. He only realized he had been shot when he felt the pain of his injury. He's, he goes on. I've been living here 55 years and I've never seen it this bad. Uh, his name is Mario Martinez. Uh, he said, there's more guns. I'm telling you, when I grew up here, the worst weapon was a knife, he said. Chains and bats. That's when I grew up. Then came the next generation, guns. He added, I don't think it's going to get any better. Now, think about that. He, he, the violence has always been there, but now we got guns? So they, they've had this problem for decades. So is it, you know, uh, that's what Mil, Bill de Blasio is going to say. But this is another city with strict gun laws. But I think you've got a culture problem up in New York. I mean, if it's always been there, it went from clubs and bats to knives to guns. Has it ever been addressed? Now, when Mayor Giuliani was the mayor of New York, he uh, implemented the broken window policy. And what the broken window policy did was if they saw a broken window, they'd investigate. Because you don't know how that window got broken. There could have been some criminals inside that broke the window again, rather than just walking by this broken window, his officers were instructed to Find out, investigate about the broken window. And the same concept goes with the, the subway. You know, it used to be, and it is now, that if somebody jumped over the turnstile and didn't pay, the police did nothing because it was just, okay, that's just somebody getting out of paying a fare. But what could have happened, and this is where Giuliani's um, thought process is, his whole idea about this was, is that person who's jumping that turnstile could have just committed a robbery, could have just committed some kind of 
heinous act, maybe even murder. So you don't let the person get away jumping over the turnstile. You catch them, and then you find out if there's anything else involved. And that cut the crime rate in New York astronomically. Well, that's all gone now. They don't do that at all anymore. I mean, de Blasio's cut the budget by a billion dollars. And you don't think the criminals know this? Of course the criminals know this. They know the police aren't going to do anything. They know the police are spread thin. They know the police are worried that the city doesn't have their back. And that's been one of my biggest pet peeves about all this. And these horrible mayors like uh, Lightfoot, de Blasio, even my own mayor here in Atlanta, Keisha Lance Bottoms. Although, hey, at least the violence has dropped down here. But up there, it's not. Those criminals know they're going to get away. There was the man that was executed a few weeks ago in broad daylight walking his daughter, his six-year-old daughter. They've caught the criminals, but in broad daylight, they did this because they didn't think they'd get caught. So this blood is on your hands, Mayor de Blasio, and your hands, Mayor Lightfoot. Your policies and your inactions and your blame game are killing people. They're getting people killed. But there's more. There's other cities. Minneapolis. Listen to this. You may have already heard this. This has been making the rounds. Minneapolis police tell residents to obey criminals and be prepared to be robbed. Can you believe that? The Minneapolis Police Department told residents they should be prepared to hand over their phones, wallets, and purses to robbers. That's what the Minneapolis police is telling their citizens. They've reported a 46% increase in carjackings and a 36% increase in robberies compared to the same time last year. So what is their reaction? What is their response? What is the police response? Be prepared. Hand over your phones, wallets, and purses to robbers. That's just crazy. Officials are now telling residents to be ready and willing to comply with the demands of criminals in an email sent to third precinct residents, the article says. Uh, can you imagine living in this city? If you're in Minneapolis, man, I feel sorry for you. That's just awful. Uh, here's what uh, goes on. The article goes on. Be prepared to give up your cell phone and purse slash wallet, the police said in their email, a, a copy of which was attained by the Alpha News. The email said citizens should listen to criminals and get this, quote, do as they say, end quote. They're being instructed to listen to criminals. This is just maddening, maddening. Here's the kind of the body, the bullets of the email sent to the citizens in this precinct. It's don't walk alone. Hey, good idea because, you know, the police aren't going to be there for you. Be hyper aware of your surroundings at all times. Pay attention. Good advice because the police aren't going to be there for you. Carry only items you need and carry less cash. Okay. Sound advice in uh, Minneapolis right now, but here's the bolded part. Be prepared to give up your cell phone and purse slash wallet. Wow. Just wow. It goes on, have keys uh, already in your hands. You approach your car. Despite all our efforts, robberies may still occur. Do not argue or fight with the criminal. Do as they say. Your safety is most important. Now, listen, I get it. You get it. If you're going to get robbed, you do what the robber says. That's how you protect yourself. I used to work in retail many, many years ago. I had very, very bad, or I had stores in very bad areas. And I had this one store that got robbed once a month. And one time it got robbed, 
the robber had my crew in the back office where the safe was, having them open the safe. The gun was pointed on everybody. It was a revolver, and the cylinder in the revolver fell out. So I asked my manager, I said, what did he do? I go, he, picked, he bent down, he picked up the cylinder, put it back in his gun. I go, what did you do? He says, I gave him the money. I said, good. That's what you should have done. Good job. I always instructed my people, if somebody came in to rob your establishment, because we were in very, very rough areas, you give them what you want. Give them what they want. I'm sorry. Give them what they want because your life and your safety is most important. But the police having to send this kind of email out to the citizens, it's, I don't blame the police, by the way. This is the same city that is voting to defund the police. This is the same city where you had city council members basically saying that it's a privilege where they're at if they have security. This is the same city that has vilified the police. So what is the police to do? The police has to put out an alert to the citizenships. The police has to give out some, some kind of warning so people can watch their back and understand that if, you know, robberies are up, it's going to happen. Uh, do what they say because you don't want your, you want your safety most important. But they can't, the police can't say, we're there to protect you. They know they're not. So the police has to put out this missive that, hey, do as they say. But you know what? Maybe it would have been a better message if the police put out, arm yourselves. Maybe that would have been the message. Now, if that message went out, what do you think would have happened with the criminals? Because right now the criminals, they see this message, right? They see this message of the police chief basically telling its citizens, do as the criminals say. What if this police chief so told the citizens, arm yourselves? Well, you know, I don't know the particulars, but maybe his hands are tied. But I guarantee you, I guarantee you, the citizens or the criminals, the criminals would have a second thought about all the crime they're perpetrating because they won't know who's armed and who is not armed. But wait, there's more. This is a headline out of Seattle. Um, Seattle police chief sends letters to residents. We cannot enforce the law. You are on your own. Yeah, I was really surprised by that one too. So uh, it's from something called newspunch.com. So I'm not as familiar with them. But if you read the article, there's some quotes in here. The Seattle Police Department announced on Friday that residents and business owners are essentially on their own. After the leftist city council banned police from using standard crowd control tools, including pepper spray and other tools used to dispense large, violent crowds. Simply put, the legislation gives officers no ability to safely intercede to preserve property in the midst of a large, violent crowd, reads a letter from Seattle Chief of Police Carmen Best who added that, the th that thanks to the city council, Seattle police will have an adjusted deployment in response to any demonstrations this weekend. So basically, and there's a, there's a copy of the letter, and I'll put this in the show notes. So basically, this police chief is also warning its residents because guess what? Her hands are tied. This is crazy. Here's the letter. Dear business owner and or resident, this is dated July 24th, 2020, by the way. Please know that the Seattle Police Department is committed to addressing life safety incidents and calls for service and responding to ongoing demonstrations and unrest in the city. 
Please also know that the City Council Ordinance 119805 Crowd Control Tool goes into effect this weekend on Sunday, July 26, 2020. This ordinance bans Seattle police officers the use of less lethal tools, including pepper spray, that is commonly used to disperse crowds that have turned violent. Simply put, the legislation gives officers no ability to safely intercede to preserve property in the midst of a large, violent crowd. It is important to bring to your attention that yesterday, I sent the city council a letter ensuring them that as chief of police, I have done my due diligence of informing them numerous times of the foreseeable impact of this ordinance on upcoming events. This letter is attached for your reference. For these reasons, Seattle Police will have an adjusted deployment in response to any demonstrations this weekend, as I will never ask our officers to risk their personal safety to protect property without the tools to do so in a safe way. Sincerely, Carmen Best, Chief of Police. That's outrageous. Now, I, I mentioned a story, um, I believe it was last week, how several police departments have pulled out of protecting the DN, the Democrat National Committee convention. And the reason they are doing so is the same reason this police chief is stating here. The city council is effectively taking the police's hands and tying them behind their backs when it comes to these protests slash riots. This is outrageous. This is, this is bad leadership. These mayors, these council members, they all need to be voted out, but they don't. People keep voting in the left. This is what you get. You vote for a Democrat to run your city, this is what you get. These are four major cities in the United States that are just being run into the ground, and the citizens are paying the price. All right, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we've got some polls. Even though this is a presidential election, there are many more candidates on the ballot besides the president. So go to Ballot Ready for a nonpartisan guide to your entire ballot. From there, you can compare candidates based on the stances on issues, biography, or endorsements, and then save your choice to use when you vote by mail or in the voting booth. You can even request your absentee ballot or make a plan to vote early or on election day. This election matters. So make sure you are ready and you vote and you vote informed. So visit go to ballot.org, enter your address to make sure that you vote and vote informed. All right, welcome to another segment of the PBO podcast, also known as Politics and Brown Liquor. And of course, our handle on all of our media platforms is the PBL Podcast. Some will say the PBL Podcast. You can find us online at the PBLpodcast.com. You can also email us at the PBLpodcast at gmail.com. And of course, support us through a membership at patreon.com slash the PBL Podcast. All right, we got polling as we're getting closer and closer to the election. The polls are starting to come out and they're going to continue to come out. And we are going to start seeing a pattern. Now, remember, I've said this before. I say it a lot of times. The polls three months before an election, you can't really put a lot of weight into. Because as you get closer, the media outlets have to start getting 
more accurate. Otherwise, they're going to, I mean, they already lost a lot of credibility, but they want to keep some of the credibility in the polls. And these polling uh, firms, well, they're paying, they're getting paid for this. So they got to have, they got to be close to accurate. So now we're getting closer and closer to election day to where the polls are going to start looking a little more relevant. So before we get into that, let's talk about who got it right in 2016. You know, there are a lot of polls out there, but there was one group, one group that got it right. This is the Trafalgar, Trafalgar Group, T-R-A-F-A-L-G-R-R Group. Uh, the Robert Cahaley, he was a senior strategist for this group. He made himself a name for himself in 2016 by being the only pollster to correctly show Donald Trump with a lead in Michigan and Pennsylvania. These were two of those crucial states that he carried. Uh, they did not poll Wisconsin, which is that third one. Trump won because he won Michigan, Pennsylvania, and Wisconsin. If he did not win those states, he would have not won the presidency, and he won those three states by a total of 70,000 votes. The Electoral College was 304 Trump, 227 Hillary Clinton. So Callaway or Cahaley managed to pick up support for Trump that all the other pollsters missed by employing a unique method that method that sought to measure support from voters who'd been inactive in recent election cycles. Now here's what he did. Is he went in and he polled them, but then he asked. This is where he he uncovered what the real numbers were. Then he asked, who's your neighbor voting for? So by asking who your neighbor was voting for, they were basically, the theory is, saying who they were going to vote for. So he's gotten a lot of elections right. He called it in Georgia, although the numbers weren't as tight as he called it in Georgia. And he gave um, credit to Stacey Abrams' campaign, who was running against the current governor who won Brian Kemp, as running a pretty good campaign toward the end and getting the votes out. But he's called a lot of races. So remember this group as we go through these numbers. This is the Trafalgar group, okay? Remember them as we move forward because they get it right. Now, if you go to their website, they've got current polling data out now. Now, again, last election cycle, here's why most pollsters got it wrong, is they were focused on the national numbers. And national numbers are not the numbers you want to focus on in a presidential election. Because California and New York have such a large population that it skews the national numbers. It's, you got to really look at those battleground states, those state-by-states, state, and we're starting to see those polls come in. So election after election after election, we know Florida is always one of those states. Ohio is always one of those states. Well, now with the last election... And what happened, how Hillary lost because she wasn't paying attention to Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, and Michigan. That's not, that, they're not going to make that mistake this time. Uh, you know, Biden, as, as much as the cheese is sliding off the man's cracker, his campaign staff is going to do what they can with the candidate they have to keep those states active. And, and we're going to see polling in those states. Right now, the Trafalgar Group, they've got some polling in Minnesota, and Minnesota's got Joe Biden up, 49.2 to Trump, 44.2. All right, it's Minnesota, makes sense. Tennessee, it's got, uh, well, that's a Senate race. We're going to focus on presidentials. In Georgia, 
Now, Georgia is an interesting state in polling because the left want Georgia so bad. They, they, they want Georgia like nothing, nothing. They want Georgia in the worst way. They've been wanting Georgia for, it seems like decades. Every election, I keep hearing Georgia's purple, Georgia's purple, and it always comes out blue. Well, current polling from the Trafalgar Group is in Georgia, Donald Trump is 49.8 to Biden 43.3. I mentioned this before that another poll I saw, Trump's up 1% in Georgia, that pretty much he's got Georgia. Another state, Florida, mm, big contention state. This one's neck and neck. Again, this is the Trafalgar Group, neck and neck. Trump 45.94. Biden, 45.9, which means, yep, Trump's probably got Florida too. And then Michigan, another, another one of those uh, battleground states. Right now, again, the Trafalgar group, uh, Biden, 46.2, Trump, 45.3. So another neck and neck poll. Third party candidates are 4.5, undecided 4%. So neck and neck, that bodes well. For Trump, Wisconsin, Donald Trump, 45.5%. Joe Biden, 44.6%. Again, neck and neck. And whenever we see this between a Democrat and a Republican, it always bodes well for the Republican. Always bodes well for the Republican. We just historically, I'll say it again, it always, when it's that tight, it usually always bodes well for the Republican. So we've got Wisconsin and we got Michigan that right now are neck and neck. That's a good thing for Trump. Now let's get into, let's go a little deeper. Real Clear Politics does a lot of aggregate polling. They take polling from around the country and they give you averages. And this is from a layman's perspective, this is what I use quite a bit because at least I can see state-by-state state polling. Now, as we get closer and closer to the election, state-by-state state polling is what you want to watch. You really want to watch those battleground states. You know, Florida, Ohio, Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, Michigan. Those are the critical states. Because if Trump can win those states and all the other states that he won in the last election, then he's pretty much got the election in the bag. Now, Let's talk Ohio right now. And again, it's real, real clear politics. Again, it's an aggregate. They have Biden up 2.3%. Now, last election cycle, Trump won Ohio by 8.1% over Hillary Clinton. That's a pretty big spread. So there's three polls right now that real clear politics is using CBS News, YouGov poll, Rasmussen's poll, and Ohio Media Collaborative poll. Trump is up in the CBS News, YouGov poll by 1%. Rasmussen and the um, Ohio Media Collaborative, 4%. But here's the interesting part. Let's go back to the aggregate, the average, right? Biden's up 2.3% in Ohio right now. This time Last election cycle, Hillary was up. So if Hillary was up more than Trump this last election cycle, that doesn't bode well for Joe Biden this election cycle, does it? Trump won Ohio last time by 8.1%. 
this same time last election cycle, presidential election cycle, Clinton was up 4%. Biden's only up 2.3%. You see that crack starting to happen a little bit? You can start seeing these polls. They're getting tighter and they're starting to tell you things. Let's look at Wisconsin. Right now, the average is Biden's up 5%. Now, CNBC change research has Biden up 5%. Gravis polling has Biden up 8%. Marquette, 8% plus for Biden. But the the Travolger, one that I mentioned earlier, has Trump up 1%. So Biden's up 5%, but the poll, the most accurate accurate polling company from the last election cycle has Trump has Trump up 1%. Trump won Wisconsin in 2016 by 0.7%. This time last last election cycle 2016 Clinton was up 13%. Yeah, I'm going to repeat that number. Clinton was up 13% this last election cycle. Biden, 5%. Now, the 13% came from the uh, Mark West, and I may be saying that wrong, so I apologize, polling company, has Biden up 8%. The same time last year, Clinton was up 13%. Trump won this state by 0.7. So already, we're seeing cracks in the machine for Biden and the polling, because the polling has been telling us for a long time that Biden is above and is beating Trump by seven to double digits, right? Well, let's look at Michigan. Right now, Biden is up over Trump 7.8%. So this same time last year in Michigan, again, um, Trump won Michigan by 0.3%. Biden's up 7.8 right now in the first week end of August, right? This same time for Clinton last go-round, she was up 11%. So Clinton was up 11%. Biden is up 7.8%. This is not telling a very solid story for Joe Biden. Pennsylvania, this is another one of those three states. Biden currently up 6%. Let's look at what happened last election cycle. Trump won Pennsylvania by 0.7%. So let's look at where Clinton was at this same time in the election cycle. She was up 9%. Clinton was up 9%. Biden right now is up 6%. This is not painting a good picture for Biden, people. I'm telling you. The Biden campaign is worried. The DNC is worried. This isn't looking good for them. Florida, right now, Biden is up 6.2%. Now, remember, Trump won Florida. He won Florida by 1.2%, just by a little. So this same time, last election cycle, Clinton was at, let me get this up, 5%. She was up 5%. So... And Trump came to win. So Biden's got a little edge on Florida. 
So this is where, where you're going to see the candidates are going to start looking at this data, and I guarantee you the Trump campaign is going to try to get into Florida and do some work. So Biden's got a little edge in Florida. That's not good. That's not good for the GOP. Florida is a pivotal state. They have a lot of electoral votes. Well, let's look at North Carolina where we are. Right now, Biden's up 4.5%. Trump won North Carolina by 3.7% in the 2016 election. And if you look at where Clinton was at this same time, let's scroll down, I'm sorry about that, up 2%. So Biden is doing a little better in North Carolina as well. Let's look at Arizona. So Arizona, Biden is up 3.7%. Trump won Arizona in 2016 plus 3.5%. So in a lot of these cases, too, you don't have as much polling. Like, I don't have the polling right now for last year of where Clinton was. It's not pulling up in Arizona. So um, let me, here it is. Sorry about that. Clinton was, well, nope, it's not pulling up. So, so what you're going to see this time, this go around, you're going to see a lot more focus on state-by-state state polls. Right now, Wisconsin, Michigan. Pennsylvania, uh, Trump is trending very, very well. Now, the Trump campaign has put a lot of resources in those three states because they know how pivotal and how critical they are because he wouldn't have won the presidency without them. Florida, Florida right now, Biden's got an edge or Trump on Florida. So we, you start following these states. The national polls just are not going to help you. They're, the national polls are fun but they're giving you a popular vote. This is not about a popular vote. This is about the Electoral College. Trump needs to win those three states, Michigan, Pennsylvania, and Wisconsin again. He's trending very high in Ohio, which is great because that's one of those bellwether states, Ohio and Florida. So Florida right now is the one to worry about and the one to watch. Now, as I'm trolling Twitter earlier today, Going back and forth with people, somebody posted a rally in California saying that California is going to turn red this cycle. Yeah, that's highly unlikely because right now Biden is polling about, you know, 60% to Trump's 30%. I would love for Trump to win California. I mean, I would love for a Republican to win California, but it ain't going to happen. We all know that. Last cycle, California, uh, or in the primary, California went to Bernie Sanders. Bernie Sanders got 35.7% of the vote to Joe Biden's 27.9%. So if anyone's thinking that California is going to suddenly swing to Trump, yeah, I, I can't buy that one. That one's just too far-fetched. Now, could it shrink? I hope so. That would be great if Trump could maybe lower that margin, but it doesn't matter. All that matters is the electoral votes. That's all that matters. And right now, in those pivotal states, Trump should be doing well in. He's doing well in, but we got to worry about Florida. So you got to watch what's going on in those key states. If you really want to see how to play this election, forget the national polls. They just do not help. They don't paint the picture that we need to see in winning Electoral College. I would love for Trump to win California, but we all know it's not going to happen. I would love for Trump to win New York, his home state. We know that's not going to happen. Although Trump has moved his residency to Florida, that's his home state technically now. So hopefully 
That's a wishy-washy word. That helps them. But these polling results, now what you're going to start seeing is you're going to start seeing more polls in these key states. You know, this time last year, or I'm sorry, last election cycle, you didn't see as many polls coming out of Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, and, and Michigan because everyone thought it was in the bag for Hillary. So why spend the money? These polling companies have to spend money to do this. Why spend the money to poll in those states? Well, now they have a reason to spend the money because they know that if they make that same mistake this time, Trump wins an even bigger election. So make no mistake, the Democrats and the media, of course, I repeat myself, will not be making the same mistake. They will be putting resources in these states, whether it be polling or whether it be politicking and getting the vote out. The Democrats know these three states now are important. Our, my bet is they're going to miss some other states because that always happens to the Democrats. I don't know who, what those states are. Sorry about my dog in the background there. But this is when the polling starts getting fun. So Real Clear Politics is a great aggregate, but do watch it with a grain of salt because all they do is take polls and they, they divide them up and do the math and you just get an average. You got to really dig into who the pollsters are. So the pollster to watch is that uh, one that I mentioned earlier, the Trafalgar Group. I may be saying that wrong. It's T-R-A-F-A-L. G-A-R group.org. So they don't have a whole lot of information on their website, but they're the ones that got it right last time. They're the ones to watch. All right. Well, thank you for listening to this edition of the PBL podcast. It's Tuesday as this is released. So every Tuesday, we're going to start talking polling because, you know, the election's on the first Tuesday of November, so it makes sense, right? So we're going to have our Conspiracy Mondays and maybe our Polling Tuesday is what we'll call it. So come here every Tuesday to get your updated polling data and what's going on in the race and my layman's uh, assessment of it all because, hey, I don't have insight. I, I'm just one guy. I'm just an average guy who loves this stuff and it's going to do the work for you so you don't have to. Again, find us on all our social media at The PBL Podcast, and our website is thepblpodcast.com. And by the way, you can get all the show notes by going to thepblpodcast.com, and you can listen to all the shows there as well. And do support us at Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash thepblpodcast. And support us by buying a membership, a monthly membership. It can be as little as a dollar uh, up to $10. And of course... We're not kidding when we say we have that $10,000 a month one up there. Hey, buy it for one month. Help the podcast out. This will help us get out in front of more politicians, bring more people on the show, and maybe get us on the road as well and continue to get behind the headlines because we all know the media is being dishonest with us and we have to read between the headlines, beneath the headlines, around the headlines, find out what's really going on. Again, thanks for listening to this episode of the PBO Podcast. Talk to you guys soon.